Coming up, we're talking about the demise of cable, factory shutdowns in China, and chaperone policies. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Attraction Network podcast, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and a series of events that is upcoming for this Halloween season. Links to everything are in the show notes. On Mondays, we break down the large trends from the news and discuss why it matters to you in our weekly Green Tagged series. Green Tagged is hosted by Scott Swenson and myself. And with that, here's the show. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip. He is Scott Swenson from Scott Swenson Creative Development. And Scott, it's been a momentous week because streaming has finally outperformed both cable and broadcast TV for the first time ever. Say it isn't so, Philip. Oh, it well, is so. <laughs> it, it is so. It, it is, is so. so. It is, it is so. so. So It is so. For the first time ever, yes, uh, streaming services captured more viewers than cable or broadcast TV, according to new data released this week from Nielsen. And streaming has performed broadcast in a single month before, but never broadcast and cable in the same month. I'm so excited, kind of. Well, it's funny because... Um, I, <laughs> I'm kind of looking at this at this data going, yeah, yeah. I mean, just but that's solely based on my my own personal experience. I I don't watch broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mm -hmm. watch cable. Um, mm -hmm. I stream. Um, and I, I think I think why this is so at least the first thing that comes to my mind as to why this is so important for our listeners is um, take into consideration, especially if you're in marketing. Please look at your media buys. Yeah, because yeah. or or just your media insertions and make sure that it is following this trend, um, so that you recognize. You know, it used to be, it used to be back in my day in theme park. Um, it used to be that our marketing department would be all about the, the the TV buys, and that was that was the crown jewel of the marketing plan. And the world has completely changed. Um, it's not about. You know, it's not about ABC, NBC, CBS. Mm -hmm. Those are networks for those of you who are ridiculously young. Um, but it, it's not about that anymore. It is It is so much, there are so many more options out there and so many more viable options um, to make certain that you have content on. Uh, and especially, you know, as you say, uh, with these with these streaming platforms. Now, I realize it's, it's, it's all, it's, parallel but different so you know you you've got to make sure that you have content and then you have to question is streaming even the place to put your marketing you know correct is correct. is it gosh let's use let's let's blitz social media or let's um do do buys on 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 social media and and leave streaming just for streaming um mm -hmm. I, I and i don't know the answer to that i really don't um but I think I think it is certainly from a marketing standpoint, making you uh, or should be making you at least look at your spend on on broadcast advertising because it's it's getting less and less. Yeah, we uh, 
we have, I just think this is so fascinating because I think it's surprising, but inevitable. Like we have been talking about this mm -hmm. since the show started mm -hmm. and we have been talking about it in not just this way, but this is Disney's whole strategy that we just talked about last weekend, right? With Disney plus and their investment in this. I mean, we've also talked about the power of IP and that's, this is a manifestation of that. We've talked about also consolidation of how these media brands are trying to buy and work together and group up to get large enough to really consolidate to make sure that they're competitive enough for this. And even and even when you look at streaming taking over from cable, but then we're looking at TikTok kind of bleeding value from the traditional streaming because they have a much less budget. They have no budget. They just let users generate the content and it gets there. But I do think you, you said that it's not, it's, you know, it's not all about this cable, but I, I would say things are much more like a pendulum than we, than maybe we want to believe like everything mm -hmm. old is new again. So my kind of prediction in this is I agree with you completely about looking at your ad spend and where you should spend it, but also think about where this is going. And I think where it's going is back to where it was in that we're not going to have you know, ABC, CNN in the same way, but it's going to become only a fleet. It's going to become consolidated to a few streaming platforms, which is then going to become consolidated to only a few networks. Like Facebook was the big thing and now it's becoming still big, but less of a thing. The more interaction now is, you know, in the TikTok and it's, you know, everything is consolidation. It's diversification, then consolidation, and then bleeding into the new platform. So I think we'll, eventually be back to the, there's only going to be, you know, a few options that you're going to be looking at to engage in. And even when it comes to even streaming, you know, not all platforms are even made equal and not all IPs are created equal either. There's some that are way more, would, would have a much higher, just like the Super Bowl, you have much higher ad spend on those than, than smaller ones. And then uh, even when you look at the future of social media and consolidation there, you know, the nature of social media is also to consolidate around specific influencers. So, you, you know, I think the older a platform gets, you know, the harder it is for new influencers to come in because the platform wants to push people who they can sell the most advertising against. So it's in the algorithm's best interest to push the already established people, which just makes them larger. So it's basically the network effect, the, like the cable network effect as in, but just again, in, in that way. So I think that's gonna be, when you look at where you should spend your money, it's really like, there's gonna be only a few options at some point with streaming. And there's also only gonna be a few options when it comes to influencers and who is gonna be the biggest impact. There's only gonna be a few really, so. Well, and it's interesting because you're looking forward. Let me let me look backward just for a moment to kind of reinforce your pendulum theory. And that is that you know, the networks, the networks were created, the networks were created by buying up locals. You know, mm -hmm. when back in the early days of television, there was a New York station, there was a Chicago station, there was a, an LA station, and the big the big networks kept, you know, bringing those in. And this happened especially when you got like what we will call the secondary networks, not necessarily the ABC, CBS, NBC, but when you started to get, um, you know, the, 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 oh gosh, they've all left me now because they've all kind of disappeared, but, um, they, they like the, the 
um, oh, what was Ted Turner's network? Um, yeah, again, I, I'm old. But anyway, uh, when those secondary networks started to come in to compete with the big, the big three, um, they started buying up local channels. They started mm -hmm. to to get local existing channels and bringing them under their wing. To your point with the influencers, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think that yeah. the uh, the the streaming, uh, because it's again blurring the lines between is it social media, is it television, is it entertainment, is it information. Um, I, I think that the biggest influencers right now are the ones who are going to get swooped up and taken under the wing to help pro uh, progress the algorithm, just like the local television networks did yes. when they continued to expand uh, the number of major networks in the television industry. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to continue to be a battle of the titans, but that's yep. not necessarily bad news for the smaller independent because if you continue to do, and, and this, I sound like a broken record, but if you continue to, to do good work, to present good content, to put out there things that people want to see, um, it makes you far more valuable and far more viable to the, the big boys who will want to either buy you up and take you under their wing or buy you up, take you under their wing and let you continue to do what you do. Only they give, give you money to do it. So, um, it comes back to, are you creating something people want to see and, and giving them the best possible quality? Now, what's really cool to me is, um, because of the nature of, streaming in general and the way technology has has progressed um there is an audience for almost everything yes and you have to make certain that if if you can find a viable enough chunk a viable enough audience that you remain true to them so that you continue to be really appealing to a larger conglomerate who wants to target that audience or doesn't have anything that targets that audience. Because they're going to look at the mass appeal. They're going to go, okay, yeah. we've got this, it's mass appeal, this, it's mass appeal. But for some reason, we're not, we're, we don't have anything that targets this particular demographic. And if you're the small influencer that owns that particular demographic, you become very interesting to the larger conglomerates. Yeah. So again, it goes back to quality. Quality of programming, quality of content. Well, moving on, we have our next story here. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we are definitely not over the supply chain issues that we have been talking about for also a very long time. Um, and we talked about this as well before, you know, the concept of always having a backup plan because stuff is not over, you know, the... Everything is just, again, pendulum, it comes back and forth. But uh, basically, uh, what's happening in China is that the now the extreme heat that over there is causing them to shut down their factories. So in, in, the main factor, in the main factory province in China, all factories have been ordered to shut down for six days to conserve power. Again, that's due to, to the heat wave that's happening. Um, and it's mainly a hub for makers of semiconductors and solar panels, but it's impacting a bunch of smaller companies as well. Same thing with us. In our, our factory is not located in that region, but they're getting alerts like every day about potential shutdowns. They're getting alerts all back and forth about this and that and whatever. And because it's a big heat wave there and they need to conserve power and just, you know, you're going to continue to see these types of interruptions more and more and more. And it's, going back to the same thing we talked about of this is going to 
certainly cause some of our deliveries to be a bit later, which is going to then impact the installation schedules for the attractions and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely still a good idea to re-examine your supply chains and have backup plans continuously. <laughs> your grandparents said it to you when you were little, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, mm -hmm. I, would, I would venture to, to change that slightly and say, make sure you have more than one chicken. Because uh, the idea here is it's not when things are going to get disrupted. I mean, it's not if things are going to get disrupted, it's when things are going to get disrupted. Things are going to get disrupted by something in the future. The, the supply chain is too complex to not have issues. Um, yeah. And we are becoming more, you know, like with key things like electronic components, which are, you know, appear in pretty much everything. Um, there are, we're going to hit those situations where these key components are going to have a trickle-down effect that are going to affect everyone. So again, the smartest thing you could do, not based on what I tell you, not based on what Philip tells you, based on pretty much every program and every certificate uh, certificate class that I have either taken or sat in on, diversify your supply chain. It is yeah. that simple. Diversify your supply chain. And um, I realize people will argue back and say, well, but there are certain, certain elements that are only made by three companies and they're all in the same place. I get that. I get that. So you've actually already done your homework, which is great. Um, don't rest on your laurels. Don't just say, well, it's all we got. Um, or yeah. you can say, well, it's all we got, but be prepared because it's going to be six days before you get your semiconductors, you know? Yeah. 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 It's actually then going back to that design component too of, you know, it's different for each situation. Of course, you know, at, at Gantam, we're like, is there a way that we can redesign the fixture? That's that's a really we don't we don't want to do that if we can help it, right? That's a very high thing to ask. But you know, there's there's a lot of questions we can ask about like how much would it actually like hypothetically speaking, you you know, you kind of you brainstorm and you throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Like, could we make our own cables? Could we cut cables on like how much could we do is it possible let's not shut it down before we just put it on the board and then we can then we can figure out if it's possible later you know that kind of a thing um but when it comes to design for parks um i just i actually just did an interview with some of the board directors from the hunter traction association and i asked them about supply chains and same thing came up they've been one of them said she's been waiting on a prop a, a prop for her main area for at this point, 18 months. <laughs> and so she's like, you know, it's kind of too late. We're going to just need to redesign that area to not have the prop in it because we need to, we need to build and we need to finish this. We can't wait for that. So I think that's another option as well for attractions that can is just have a plan B, which could include a redesign as much as we are, you know, like the idea of, of this effect or this thing happening or this, this thing in this area. You know, have a plan for if it's just not possible to get that. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the things that, as a creative director, it's one of the things that I do for my clients too. And it's mm -hmm. not just coming up with the ideas up front, but it's also mm -hmm. being the um, the guest experience uh, the guest experience monitor throughout the entire process to make certain that when things happen, um, 
casting challenges, something doesn't show up, something breaks and doesn't work the way we it was supposed to. In one very extreme case, something is one-tenth the, th- the size we thought it was going <laughs> to be, is yeah. finding ways around those challenges, being prepared to to redesign or rethink or reevaluate um, so that when it t- comes time to open the experience to the guests, they never know that something's missing. Yep. They still yep. get the same experience. Yep. And I'm going to add one more <laughs> thing to this. Just, just from our, our, our perspective on it, it's like a word of caution is I wouldn't just plan for that part of it. I think you need to reevaluate your lifetime plan for the attraction as well. Like I know we have, we all have SOPs about kind of the lifetime maintenance of attractions and et cetera, et cetera. Now I think is a good time to go and look back at those and see if there's some things you can tweak. Like, so for example, us at Gantam, a, a lot of the people that order, they don't, if they order a custom thing or even regular, they, they don't really consider the lifetime of where this is going to be in 10 years. So they don't order enough backup parts at all. And so this is what happens if there's a supply chain issue and we can't get something and then your attraction goes out, you know, we can't repair it. You're not gonna be able to repair it for right. XYZ because XYZ is shut down in XYZ area, you know, but if you had a stockpile of them or especially if you're ordering custom pieces, if you had that and that's, you know, good, good uh, planners and good manufacturing suppliers will kind of should do that for you. Again, just to Scott's point, good, good people should do that for you. But it's always good for the attraction. I always recommend the attraction themselves need to know, like, even though you are paying, you know, many people are paying someone else to think about that. You know, it's still good for your team to be aware, because we, we run to that all the time, too, where somebody will because it's frequently it's a different team. It's a different team that deals with the lifetime maintenance of the project, even even on a creative project at the park versus the team that dealt with the installation and the design of it. It's a different team. And that team needs to know, needs to, needs to be included on the discussion a little bit earlier. That's always what we recommend. And the, next, and the next domino that falls is if you do that, then you have to look at where do we store it? Because yes. storage, I, yep. you laugh, but yep. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to um, small theme parks or zoos or attractions, and they will say, yes, we're going to order this this gigantic scenic piece, and we're going to have this much backup stuff, and we're going to have this much, mm-hmm. you know, we want to have enough enough widgets to keep this running for the next 10 years. And then they go, okay, now these are sitting in a parking lot um, in the elements. And they because deteriorate, we, yeah. Uh, and, and they lose yeah. a ton of money because yeah. it ends up getting destroyed. Um, so make sure that when you're thinking about planning ahead, when you're thinking about how many of these replacement parts do we need, uh, that you're thinking, and where are we going to store them until we need them? And and there are some manufacturers, not all, but there are some manufacturers who will actually store them for you. Um, yeah, we it, do that. It does, Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it does, sometimes it does cost a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of service fee on top of that, but... Um, it's cheaper than building a warehouse. I can guarantee that. And uh, so it, keep that keep that in mind. And ask you know ask your suppliers. Say yeah. uh, how much of this are you, if we buy X amount up front, are you willing to store it in your warehouse till we need it? And yeah. and reputable ones will usually say yes. Yeah, that's a great point. 
We we sometimes do it secretly. <laughs> Honestly, we don't even tell them. We just keep just very, in case. Very quiet. Yeah, we were just like, uh. but then yeah, that, that's that's a excellent point. Um, well, so huh, let's talk about now our next series of stories, which is it feels like we're the same themes over and over and over. Everything is a pendulum. So uh, back to a safety, safety at parks and Halloween, and what are we going to do for safety? Um, I'm going to kind of mesh two stories together, one from last week that we didn't get to and one that's an update from this week. So the one from last week we didn't get to last week was, of course, a, the story about Universal Orlando's CityWalk curfew, which made headlines everywhere about their wonderful new curfew plan. Um, basically, I'm going to summarize here. I didn't write these in the show notes, but I'll just kind of summarize from what I remember. Uh, basically, the curfew is that if you are under, I think it's under 18. You, mm-hmm. If you're a minor, you can't enter the park after nine. You can't enter CityWalk after 9 p.m. And for those that have not been to Universal Orlando, uh, basically the way that it works is you have to walk through CityWalk in order to get to any of the rest of the resort property, like the you, either either gate. You have to go through CityWalk first. And CityWalk is where the security is. So the idea would be the curfew would stop people at that security checkpoint. So they wouldn't be able to access either park or the city walk area. They, after 9 p.m., if a minor, they have to be accompanied by, and the key to the universal one is by a guardian or somebody who is like actually responsible for them in, in, in some way. Um, there's a few caveats, like if they're staying on a resort property, they're gonna be able to be, uh, be able to have access with room key and evidence. And then if they have a ticket to the movie theater, they can be escorted. So there's a lot of way. It's like, how on earth is this going to work? Because we're in the middle of a staffing crisis and you're saying you're going to have security escort kids that have bought movie tickets. Like how on earth are we? So there's a lot of questions with that already. But then this week we heard news that Knott's has expanded their chaperone policy to cover their Halloween event, Not Scary Farm. So the details we got from this is the chaperone is required to show a valid photo ID with a date of birth and be available by phone throughout their visit. <laughs> Each chaperone can accompany up to three minors and they must remain with them during the entire visit to the park. And additionally, they have a new bag policy for Scary Farm this year, and it restricts guests from bringing bags larger than six inches by five inches into the park. And bags include purses, that's a like asterisk, it includes purses, backpacks, or diaper bags. All other bags that fit in the guidelines will be searched ahead of entry. So, so they're really, so both the same direction when it comes to kind of minors and chaperones on, on each coast, but kind of different ways they're implementing it. Uh, and we have not heard, just for the record, I have not heard, or I have not seen yet, Universal comment about what they're going to do for Horror Nights. So Knotts has said, like, the, the, the news from Knotts was specifically saying, we're going to do this for our Halloween event. We're not going to allow bags that are bigger than this little bit, basically like cell phone <laughs> size bags, and we're going to require chaperones. Uh, but... Universal has declined to comment so far as to the day of this recording, whether or not they're going to require what kind of policy they're going to do for their horror nights. So, well, it's, it's interesting for, to me because this, this is, it's no longer just, well, it's partially about what you're bringing in. Um, because I, I, for, for years going to horror nights in Orlando, you, it's like going through TSA. I mean, yes. you, yeah. you you empty your pockets, you go through a metal detector, yeah. 
Um, yeah. You are searched if you set off the metal detector. Uh, you cannot bring certain things into the park, pocket knives, uh, you know, things that we think are innocuous, uh, pocket knives. I, I once showed up foolishly with a wallet chain this was several mm. years ago. It was cool then. Um, but I showed up with a wallet. Ch- no, it really wasn't. But it was. I showed up with a wallet chain, and I had to leave it uh, and then go pick it up at the end of the night. Um, yep. They were. I will tell you, they were very organized about it, but it was, it was all about, at that point, it was all about the concern of um, what are we bringing in and how much damage can they do. And clearly, yep. you know, with the, the, the knots... Um, updated bag policy that's that's clearly the case there as well um but it seems even more important now that they're targeting um probably by experience uh, a certain age demographic um Mm -hmm. who is more likely to to do some to do some damage or or cause some upheaval i mean you know what philip what philip didn't mention is that with universal um it's believed that this is this i this whole curfew concept has been reinforced by a largely publicized fight that took place in one of the parking garages yep. um, amongst yep. some some miners. So, uh, which is funny because that wouldn't actually prevent the fight in the parking garage. No, it would not. It would not affect it at all. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's. But because you can still get into the parking garage because you you don't pass your security until after the at the escalators and everything like so right. you could still hang out in the parking garage and cause a fight here's here's if we have if we have any um if we have any listeners who are uh fight prone teens who happen to be listening to both of you i say um here's here's the here's the thing that's going to break my heart it's already starting to happen and it's just going to get worse and worse if you want content that is going to be um edgy and things that you want to see in these theme parks, you've got to make certain that you and your friends are not causing this kind of trouble. Because the next step is eliminating horror nights or eliminating something that is teen-focused to something that is family-friendly that you're not going to be interested in. Um, yeah. Because the parks are at kind of the, the parks that I have talked to. Um, not mentioning any names, but the parks and the representatives of parks that I've talked to both on and off the record have basically said, we don't know what else to do. They don't want to dumb down or uh, not dumb down. They don't want to age down the the experiences that they offer. They want to continue to offer things that are edgy and, and cutting edge and forward thinking and cool, uh, especially at the Halloween season. Um, but they don't know what to do because there are so many of these uh, minor fights, and I don't mean minor as in the fights are small because sometimes they're huge, but fights between minors um, that they're they're at a loss. Um, obviously, yeah. security is is a huge issue. Um, it always has been, always will be. But what appears to to be the data that these folks are looking at shows that it's getting worse, and they don't know how to make it better. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the next step, the next step is not a curfew. The next step is, okay, now we're, instead of doing, um, and this is, this is not a statement from universal instead of doing, I won't even use universal instead of doing, instead of doing super creepy, bloody, scary nights, we're going to do fluffy bunny and a mask nights. And we're going to lose out on all that content because it draws a different audience and an audience that is less likely to have a knockdown drag out fight in the parking garage. So I actually, 
I don't know how I feel about any of that. What, 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 I, what I took away from it, and maybe it's a whole different perspective, but my perspective on it was, um, <laughs> I kind of feel like a, as usual, Knotts is, um, I'm not sure how the Knotts thing is gonna work or if it's gonna do anything. It's really weird. I don't know, the Knotts thing is weird because I, I actually think the Knotts audience is much more of those, of that age group. And also them not requiring it to be a guardian, I'm like, well, they can just go with their friends. And so I'm not sure it's going to really help at all. I think that the bag thing also like, um, I think the bag thing will help more honestly in, in that, in that sense, because they don't have the, 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 the higher insecurity stuff. So the bags will, should, should help mitigate at least what is there. And then I'm not sure, but I actually, I think for Orlando is I'm actually almost think it's, it's an interesting angle. I could see it working in their favor if they actually made the event an adult event. I, I could see that working in their face because, and, and the big key, and we have talked about this a lot, the big key is alcohol sales. Mm -hmm. Universal Orlando relies very heavily on alcohol sales versus Knotts that really doesn't. Knotts, I mean, I think that their event in terms of age target is much lower, I think, than Universal. I think Universal could almost get away with just really being like, you know, we're really at 21 and over events and this is like a big party. You come here, you buy a bunch of alcohol, you drink and you hang out with scary monsters and rave lights and this is it. We don't even want anybody under 21. I feel like they could almost get away from that. Well, get away I, will with tell, that. I will tell you that almost that exact same conversation has been had in, in brainstorming meetings with at least two major uh, Halloween providers major theme park Halloween providers. Um, the challenge there is it cuts out and, and what, it, what the, the, the thing that concerns them the most is it cuts out a large part of their demographic. Yeah. Um, because they simply, it's not that they don't want to come. It's that they won't be able to come. And yeah. so they're, they're, at least the people that I've talked to have been pulling back the reins on going quite that far of making it a full adult event because it seems, again, off-brand for them. It's like, we here we're going to say we're going to be, uh, you know, all things to families and all things cool during the day, and then it's a 21 and up event at night, which, again, I don't see anything wrong with it, but... I don't see anything wrong with it either. But, yeah. but their internal brand is kind of going, how do we, how do we justify that? How do we convey that? And especially if you've got hotels, if you've got overnight yeah. stays and you've got families who are there during the day and then the families yeah. with the 14, 15, 16 year old kids are not allowed to go to the, the horror event at night. Well, that's going to reduce the hotel uh, stays. There's, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of dominoes that that's going to tip too. So, yeah. um, but I think that does kind of go back to what I was saying is they're either going to go, they're either going to skew younger with the, with the content or they're going to make it so adult that they're not going to allow anybody under 21 in. Um, so both of these have been discussed. I have seen some parks um, and we've even seen some independent haunters who have done this with yeah. their product and yeah. um, to, to go, to go younger versus older. Um, but right now the only other, the only other uh, approach they can find is to to try to ramp up the security, get these um, these guardians or chaperones. And guardians or chaperones, again, it goes back to who can you litigate against. You know, yeah. if you've got a fight against minors, you can't really. It's very. It's significantly more difficult to have litigation. If you've got somebody who says yes, I am responsible for them, then they have to recognize this could result 
in uh, legal action if something happens. So, and I know parks don't want to do that either. So it's, it is a very tentative situation and I'm curious to see how all this plays out. I hope it works, but we will see. All right. That's our 30 minutes. So, um, on behalf of Philip Hernandez with Gantam Lighting and the Haunted Attraction Network and myself, Scott Swenson with Scott Swenson Creative, uh, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30, and uh, hopefully you're sharing us with all of your friends. Um, we do appreciate everybody who listens, and we will see you next week. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.